Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL's podcast. I hope all who's listening is keeping well. Then will be joined by my co-host John. How are you John? Yeah, not too bad Stephen, meet yourself. I'm fine man, thanks for asking. And a show regular Francis, how are you Francis? Yeah, I'm good, good. Stephen, yourself? Ah, same, same, as, same with John there, doesn't take me at the minute. And we also have a special guest, we're, we're delighted to have her back from a Celtic state of mind, Laura Bradburn, how are you? Not too bad, thanks for having me back on. Uh, hopefully I don't embarrass myself as much this time as I did last time, but we'll, we'll wait and see. <laughs> No embarrassment. I mean, it's all, it's all what we like doing, isn't it? We podcast having a chat about Celtic. So since the season ended, we've basically had a week and a couple of days to reflect on what's been a disastrous season, Laura. And for me this week, uh, it's, it's just been a, I don't know, it's like a roller coaster of emotions for me. I'm angry one minute and then the next minute I'm just like, I couldn't give two fucks to yeah. my friends. But it's like you're waking up every day expecting something different, expecting an announcement, and you're just getting the same old, same old. But we've had a week to reflect. Laura, how are you feeling? Um, to be honest, it's one of the things where, I, at this point, I thought, you know, everybody, the, the chat was all about, can't wait to get the season over, can't wait to be rid of it, can't wait for it to be done. But I think most of that chat was based on the fact that we thought there was going to be some movement by this time after it had finished, you know, that there was going to be maybe an announcement really close after the season finished or that we'd already be seeing the wheels in motion, even if it's not in the form of an announcement, uh, some more like proactive movement from Dominic Mackay. And I think the fact that none of that has been forthcoming so far has just uh, made me even more like kind of lukewarm to what's going on. It's like you say, you go from you go from being annoyed and, and being angry at the situation to just kind of being indifferent. And I think uh, I think that's a feeling that's kind of reflecting the whole Celtic support. We're just kind of over it all until we hear something we want to hear. Yeah, it's it's one of them situations where, as you said, we wanted the season to be over because as soon as that was over, we expected an announcement within a couple of days. And the more this goes on, and it's it's like a saga now, isn't it? The Eddie Howe boss and when's it coming, when's it going to be in? And... I don't know about yourself, John. I'm more. I'm, I'm with Laura here. It's like all these feelings, and just to get nothing again for the last week and a week or a couple of days, and it's a bit deflating from my point of view because you think after the season we had, the Celtic board, as much as we, for me personally, I don't trust them to do right by Celtic, but you would expect something coming out at least in terms of movement, yeah. management structures, director of football. Yeah, no, definitely, and I, I echo what both you and Laura are saying there. It, it, it's like you say, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's obviously been a season to forget, and you, you want to just get things moving so we can look forward. But it's difficult to do that when you're not getting anything coming for the club at all. So I think it's uh, until something is officially announced, I'm, I'm in the boat where I'm not going to. Uh, I'll be excited once I know the, those wheels are in motion, so to speak. I mean, they've just recently announced the dates for the draw for the Champions League qualifiers, and we're still no further forward. And it just lets you know. How, how limited the time's getting and how quickly we need to get things moving. But um, hopefully, uh, with Bournemouth season and all that being over, if all these reports are true about Eddie's contract obligations and stuff like that are done, then uh, it seems to be widely expected that he might be announced some point this week. So it's something again, as I said, uh, you're up and down the and it's just another thing you kind of look forward to. But at the same time, you're sitting on, you're kind of just sitting at, impatiently waiting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I put up the Twitter post today and Instagram about Eddie Howe said to be announced this week. Your man Keith Jackson from a Daily Record, and underneath it, just put, "We've heard this all before." Just, so, so I mean, it's that it's that type of situation. <laughs> now, Francis, where you're kind of regurgitating the same stuff. And John, you said there you'd be excited, and yes, as a, as a fan base, we would be excited and engrossed in Eddie Howe. But at the same time, Francis, it's not a bit of a 
do you know what I mean? Like I, I said this before, but like an anti climax for longer this goes on, and we're expected to be any high when it gets announced, it's like. Uh, it's done now because all the excitement's built up over the months and there's been nothing yet from Saudi Football Club. I, I, get, I think a lot it'll be relief and stuff just because we know finally we've got a decision's been made because like, I'm just, I'm similar to lot, but I'm just, I, I just can't be bothered anymore with some of the stuff because I'm just like, I've, I've kept me accept that, that I'm not going to get, it, not going to hear anything. I'm just, I'm going to have to be patient. I feel like it's just, uh, it's, I don't know, man. It's, to reflect on the season, it's just and the Eddie Howe situation. Yeah, it's just, it's just we've come to expect it now. We're getting nothing, and you get wee snippets here and there. Maybe just something getting released to the press. It gets you a wee bit excited for a couple of days, and two weeks later, it's it's went quiet again. Really, so it's just I've I'm neither up nor down with it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's as you said, the, the relief side of things. It's a bit like it should be excitement. It should be. You're ecstatic. You're wanting to buy your season book. Eddie Howe is going to bring all these players in. There's going to be a new style, Laura. And we discussed it off air a bit, and we said how we felt. It's like it's it's almost like as well. The longer this goes on, it's, it feels like to me the board are just waiting as long as they can. And what worries me the most? What if it goes pear shaped, and Eddie Howe just says no? Because we've seen the the recent events in regards to Peter Hall's house, which we had in the south condemned that it has degree. But we're never going to stop calling out the board and their short phones and the things they're not doing for the fans, like out of value and things like that. So is that something that worries you, especially how long this has dragged on for, Dora? Um, yeah, just before I answer that, but yeah, just to, to echo what you've said there about the about the Peter Lobo situation. We don't know obviously if it was related to football or not, but certainly from from like a a content creation point of view, nothing that we say in criticism of the clubs, either here or over at Celtic State of Mind where where I'm based, them um, nothing should result in that kind of situation happening um, and and hopefully him and his family are all right but um, yeah as far as the Eddie House situation is concerned I am conflicted because on one hand I don't want him to slip through our fingers because I rate him really highly as a manager I think he's got some brilliant ideas I think certainly would coach players to a much higher standard than they have been coached over the last 18 months but on the other hand there's a bit of me that I had a tweet sitting in my drafts today that I thought better of sending out but it got to the point where I was just like you know do we actually want a guy who seems to be going so back and forth if if rumours are to be believed about coming to the club that he's so unsure um do we want somebody like that in charge because i want somebody who's ecstatic to come to celtic rather than somebody who's almost appears to be using it as a, a bargaining chip of some kind the other way you look at it as well of course is uh, it, it's maybe an admirable quality that he's obviously got standards he wants to keep and if the if the board don't meet them then he doesn't want to come because he can't do the job he wants to do anyway so it's it's a difficult one um obviously the outcome I want is for him to be manager, but um, but if he doesn't, then then we'll just have to look elsewhere. I think, like you raise a good point though. Like we're at the point now where if it isn't Eddie Howe, then what's going to happen? Because I haven't even heard another name in the frame for weeks or months now. So so you're kind of back to square one if it doesn't end up being him. I think you're you're right in making the point in terms of is he using Celtic as a bargaining chip? I I used that phrase before in this podcast and. Quite rightly at the time, people were saying we don't know that. But the, the way I'm looking at it now, you see the Wolves, the Wolves job um, coming up. You see Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson, even the Wolves manager, as I said, Tottenham, 
um, to a lesser degree, maybe he's not going to attract Alexa Tottenham to his name yet. But is that not a worry, John? I mean, you, you're a big Eddie Howe fan. You've made that pretty clear in the podcast. You, you expected to be him. But at the end of the day, if you look at Wolves, and to put it in perspective, their transfer budget would dwarf Celtics. They're playing, they're playing staff, their wages. The, do you know what I mean? They're not a bigger club than Celtic, but it's the finances down in England. If Eddie Howe is holding out for something like that, surely that points to the Celtic anyway. That it, I mean, this is, I don't want to sound negative, but is, is it right that he's looking at other moves? I mean, we don't know that, but if he is, is it right he's doing that to weigh up his options for the correct choice? Or should he just commit to Celtic and show that he wants to come to Celtic at this moment anyway? Um, I mean, it's a valid point. Absolutely. I think any manager um, who the draw of the English Premier League is going to appeal to anybody, especially when you look at the finances involved. Um, but you're right in saying that they're not a bigger club. Um, and at the likes of Crystal Palace and Wolves and that, he's, he's, you're never going to be sort of... You're, you're a mid-table side at best. And is that something you want to... Sort of, is that where you want your career to go? Or like well, you say, well, do you look Just to go back to you, sorry, John. Um, um, Wolves finished seventh in consecutive seasons in the Premier League. And... They do have aspirations, I believe, from the ownership to be a big club and a big six club. So what if that attracts them? Do you know what I mean? This is what I'm trying to say. Well, like I say, I mean, it's a chance you take, right? So, um, like you say, the money involved is obviously uh, certainly a drawn point. But um, in terms of project, which is something that he's mentioned before, he's extremely interested in. I think Celtic's a far better project. Uh, he's, he's getting to test himself in Europe. Um, he, he's got an opportunity to win silverware. And um, we've seen through, and I hate, We've touched on this previously as well. I don't think any of the Celtic fans like the idea or notion of us being a stepping stone to any club. But I think being realistic with the current climate and the, with the finances and, and, and the Scottish game and everything like that, I think it's it's not unrealistic to say that that is just kind of... We, we need to sort of, to an extent, accept that that's where we are, whether we like it or not. Um, but for the likes of how he's, he's got an opportunity to come to a great club, massive club, great history... Uh, and, and cement his own legacy here. So I think that should be a drawn point in its own right. Um, yeah. I just want to touch on, though, like, like I say, it's, it's like, I mean, for me personally, and sorry, it's different for me saying this as a Celtic fan, but none of the, jo- like, I mean, and with all respect to some of these English clubs, it's, it's there's no passion in the English game either. I, I just, I don't think it, I mean, other than the money, the transfer budget that's available to you. There's no, there's nothing in England at these kind of clubs that is a serious pulling that has much pulling power, and I just don't get why a guy would be like, I, I'm just going to hold off and see. But at the end of the day, if the Celtic board are sort of twiddling their thumbs and they're the ones that are holding out, then Eddie's well within his right to 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 have a chat with any other clubs that come forward and show an interest. Uh, that's our fault, and that that would be doing to the Celtic board's lackey action. But as I said previously many times, I firmly believe that Eddie does want the, the Celtic job. I think that there is, as it's been widely reported, I believe that there is contractual obligations. I've, I've read numerous things I've, I've looked at, as I've mentioned before as well. Just when you look at the sort of the Bournemouth fans and their fan forums, it's, it looks a lot like Eddie, when he stepped down, still had a year to run in his contract. And I think that uh, Burnmouth, as a gesture of goodwill, so to speak, for everything he's done for the club, decided to see his contract out, still pay him in that respect. Um, and because he's, there's contractual obligations on Eddie's side, as well as some of the guys he wants to bring in, um, that's why there's been a delay. And if that is the case, then 
I, I guess we need to cut the board some slack in that respect. I, th- I still think that they could have done a lot more in terms of giving us a little bit of something. Just say we've got a guy, but we can't announce it yet, or whatever the case may be. But uh, I, it, it, the sooner we get it done and get it out of the line, the, the, the better I think we'll all feel. And like you say, is until it's actually signed and it's on the dotted line and he's he's unveiled and he's holding that uh, scarf above his head, uh, anything can happen. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right when. When you say that we all just want something announced, and Francis, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but like like I like to do sometimes, right? <laughs> I, I want you to put your Eddie Howe hat on. I want you to be uh, him for a second here, right? Mm-hmm. And you're down in England, and in the back of your mind, you know you you know you've went to Burnley. It's not went quite well. You've had family issues and problems, and you see the likes of Wolves, Tottenham. Um, who's the other club I mentioned? Wolves, Tottenham, oh, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, yes. Them jaws become available. Maybe Aziz is trying to tell him to stay in England, and then Celtic have been con- have contacted him. Apparently, he's had free meetings, if we're led to believe, with Lowell and Mackay and Desmond. But if you're in Eddie Howe's mind right now, what what do you think he would be feeling? Do you think it would be like a enormous amount of pressure to commit? Because as we've seen there, and Laura rightly said, the scenes we've seen at Lowell's house, we don't know if it's connected to football. But is that something that he would particularly want to uproot his young family to come to this goldfish bowl in Glasgow? Well, first of all, like the law situation, that's got nothing to do with football. That's just an absolute moron or morons just being absolute So you don't think it was anything to do with Celtic fans or anything? No, I I, I think the football team football is irrelevant in that situation. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan. I just... It'll come out what team this person or person support. I just I think it's irrelevant in the the context of things. I don't think football should be wrong. The football team should be. This was and uh, it was attempted murder at the end of the day. When you think about it, you set a fire. You don't you don't know how that's going to go. So I just I don't like the football narrative brought into the, the Peter Law attacks because I just I think it's irrelevant when to talk about to to bring football into it. But to go into the how. What what would I be thinking as Eddie Howe? I hate to say it, but I think the Wolves' job would be appealing because they they do they do spend a wee bit of money. They bring good players in. They are a they are a decent team. Granted, they may lose some of the players, but they work with. I think it's Mina Raiola, the the agent they work with. Yeah. What what agent they work with? But they seem to have a good connection with him. I don't think he would get near the Tottenham job. I don't see them going from Jose Mourinho to Eddie Howe and in, in the great respect to to Eddie Howe. I just. I think Tottenham are maybe above that now. Maybe if he came up to like a Celtic, he could get a Tottenham job, like do something similar to Brendan Rodgers. But yeah, if I'm Eddie Howe, the only job down south that would really interest me is the Wills job, really. Because as I say, I don't think he's at the level of Spurs job. Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace, or Crystal, they just they they just they just make up the numbers in the league. Really, you could argue Wills have a wee go, but. Yeah, I would. I would like to think he would show a wee bit of ambition and come to Celtic. It's it's a big project and stuff. It's a massive club, but I appreciate that he, as an an Englishman from Bournemouth, I believe it's Celtic hasn't got the same appeal to him as it has to us. So it's you've got to try and try and be a wee bit open minded. Unfortunately, that some of these some of these folk that Celtic doesn't mean everything to them at the end of the day. So. With the money involved to him personally as well, it's it might interest him to stay well to stay down south and stay close at home. But I hope I'm hope I'm miles off the map there. I, I believe him, or I, I think it is just a matter of when. And like when John touched on, I think I think it is a contractual issue. And football contracts run out in the thirty first of May usually, so 
I think we're just going to have to wait <laughs> now, unfortunately. We'll keep, wait, keep waiting. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct, man. I think, as you said, the Wolves job in the mall will be appealing. But, Laura, come to yourself before we move on to the next subject. So, when Celtic announced Jack Ross as manager, how were you feeling? We joking. So, <laughs> so as, as Francis rightly alluded to there, is there anything worrying you? As you said, he could be using Celtic as a bargaining chip, his agents tightening the other teams, other clubs, etc. And this is obviously speculations from us, but is that something that worries you genuinely that he could be his head turned. He may be already kind of down the lane with Celtic, maybe not signed anything yet. A verbal agreement we're led to believe. I don't know, but is that something that worries you? Um well listen, in a more in a more general sense, I don't really have an issue with with using Celtic as a stepping stone of kinds, because like I think there's other clubs that are on a level with us size wise, um, or or even maybe a bit bigger, like Ajax and things like that, where uh, Dortmund are another one where you know, they're seen as a good option for young players to go or managers on the, on the up in their career um, to build a profile, have success with and, and move on to, to bigger and better things. I, I don't have a problem with Celtic um, operating that way going forward because I think it's done no harm to those other clubs that I've mentioned um, and they're still able to maintain a sort of high profile. Um, but there's a difference between doing that, between Eddie Howe coming and building his profile back up and... Uh, bringing success to Celtic and then getting a job uh, back down south or something like that in two or three years time there's a difference between that and actually just using as as a bargaining chip for um, negotiations for a contract at another club one I agree with, one I don't agree with and I think that's that's where the distinction lies Um, I don't have a problem with them coming and even saying behind closed doors listen I'm here to build my profile back up, I'll bring you as much success as I can in the meantime um, but but I want to go back down south or something, that's fine. What we have to make sure and do is that we don't get him, have the opportunity to have that success under him and then let it all fall away the, the way we did under Rodgers. I think Rodgers mm-hmm. um, had put in place a lot of sort of ethics and a lot of professional standards and stuff like that that should have remained after he left and didn't. And so if Eddie Howe comes in and the same thing happens again, you you'll have to ask serious questions of the of the club at large, because then that's that's to do with the way the whole club is run rather than any individual, because an individual come in and have an impact, but if it's going to last, it's got to be because the infrastructure's there to make it last in the future. Well, that's true. That that brings us on to the next point in terms of his backroom team and who he wants to, to bring with him and stuff, because we've seen rumours that he wants to bring the likes of Mark Birchill, he wants to appoint uh, Richard Hughes as director of football, and the coaches, Stephen Purchase and Simon Weatherstone. John, I've seen a lot of Celtic fans, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, or any other social media platform. The same, there, there is a split, because I'm, I'm kind of with the, the side here that he shouldn't be able to appoint his boss on top of him, like the director of football, like Richard Hughes. And I, I, don't, I don't know your thinking about this. My rationale for it is because you need someone to call out anyhow if something's going wrong rather than we've seen it before the, the old friends act itself like I don't think for me that's the way we need to go go down if we're getting anyhow in Fergal Harkin maybe he has links to dermatism but again he's going to be a guy coming experience in Manchester City that rumour's kind of I don't know went away but Richard Hughes is starting to, to come up again What what's your opinion as, as Laura rightly said there, the structure needs to be in place for, for these guys to do their best but as the director of football, do you think it should be someone Eddie Howe should pick or an outsider coming in? I just want, I mean, by all accounts, if Eddie's going to be the manager, right, then I firmly believe he should be. He should have full autonomy over 
the the staff he's working with, and that includes director of football. You 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 say or you refer to director of football as his boss. I don't see it like that, right? The, the manager's a manager, and in all football related matters, he should have the final say, right? The director of football for me um, is somebody who. And we had this chat with David Webb, if you remember, when, when we had him on, and he, and he outlined what that role was. And he never, at one point or at any point during that, um, mentioned that he, he's his boss or he, he works over somebody or he gets the final say. They, they all work as a collective, and you have to have you have to ensure that if you have a director of football in place, that the manager and that director of football have the best working relationship possible. Because if you're in a, if you have a situation where um, they don't get along, then right off the bat, everything's just going to fall to bits. So, um, and as we've seen, when Law um, was acting as a de facto director of football, uh, which wasn't his role, um, he undercut Rogers, he undercut Lennon, a lot of decisions. Um, players were being signed without uh, the manager's knowledge. And that that's the kind of thing that you risk if, if, if you've got somebody who... Um, is working directly for the board and no for the manager. So, in my opinion, um, if Eddie wants a guy, a particular person, in to work as his director of football, then give him absolutely. I I get where you're coming from, but it brings me back to the structure side of thing. Um, Francis, as as Laura said, and she's right when she says this, you need the structure in place for these guys to thrive. And what's to say? If Eddie Howe decides to pack it in or leave for another club in two or three years' time, I mean, we we'll have to be honest here, the usual longevity of a manager now is maybe three to four years at maximum. Um, I know he stayed at Bournemouth for basically the whole of his managerial career, but I'm sure he has other aspirations as well. But if, if he brings Richard Hughes with him, Francis, if he leaves, right, the backroom t- staff are going with him and probably Richard Hughes as well. So that, does that not leave Celtic back in that position again where they're trying to rebuild the whole thing again after four years? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I said it on a previous podcast that I don't, when it comes to the director of football, I don't think Eddie Howe should be picking him or the new manager should be picking him. But I also understand why he would, and just to simply, as a working relationship, he knows it'll work. Not There's no guarantee it'll work, but it's worked in the past, so to speak. But yeah, I do agree that obviously, going forward, it's, it's maybe not ideal because... Like you say, when the new manager leaves, it could he's likely to take his backroom staff with him. That's kind of the nature of the beast, if you like. And then, but if he takes the director of football, but we're who knows if uh, your man Richard Hughes is coming in as director of football because I believe that he was like like in the scouting setup, like the recruitment side in Bournemouth. If he comes in, he may be taking up that role at Celtic. We don't, we don't really know it. I mean, I think it's widely led to believe that it will be a director of football role or something similar, but. It may be, it may be sort of ahead of recruitment to come in as an as, you just don't yeah. know. Um, again, it's all ifs and buts. But look, yeah. look, what's your what's your thing behind this? Because I think it's it's vital that the structure remains in place for many years. If we're doing this rebuild now, it needs to stay and needs to be fresh. But if anyhow is appointing, I'm going to say it again, his, his boss, because the director of football rule can be many things. It can be the guy who's in charge of recruitment. It can be the guy who oversees all the football departments. We just don't know. There's many different roles within the director of football. And David Webb's just one of them guys who, who we spoke to and gave us his role previously. But again, other guys may have different roles. But what, what's your opinion on the whole thing? And does it leave space again for the likes of John Kennedy to be in the backroom staff? Because I, I'm led to believe he only wants two coaches with him, Stephen Purchases and Simon Weatherstone. Where's your thinking behind this, Laura? 
Um, well, on the John Kennedy thing, I, I've said previously on other platforms, I don't know exactly how many more chances we can give John Kennedy to prove his worth because he's been part of the successful teams as well as the the teams that haven't done so well. So that suggests to me something more than probably even worse than a negative impact. He's having zero impact as far as I can tell. And, and you can only... You can only hear so many times that he, he speaks well about football and he's highly rated and this, that and the next thing. So as far as John Kennedy's um, future at the club is, I'm not sure. Um, but for Eddie Howe, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand fully how the director of football role works, but like I'm the same as as, as you guys were saying. that I, I don't think... I wouldn't class the director of football as... The, the manager's boss you know the, the I would class Dominic Mackay as the manager's boss and so if a director of football is going to be working closely with him then surely he should have a hand in saying who that is and hopefully that can that can flourish the, the only problem that leaves you with is if Eddie Howe goes your uh, your director of football might go and so might all your coaching staff and, and your left back at square one so from that point of view what I would like to see them do is even if even if he does have a hand in appointing these coaches and he's director of football and they end up going with him, even if they can all work together to implement a culture at the club that remains after they go or or even something that, you know, the coaching staff that are managing the Colts, who I'm sure will be um, much more ingratiated members of staff within the club that will remain even after he was to go away. Um, if he can influence those types of staff members long after he goes, then then that's only something that can help for the future. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Brendan Rodgers leaving the tools behind and not getting wrecked within 18 months. And it's it's almost like Celtic got their, their own worst enemies. I mean, the lack of forward planning is shocking. My big issue with it is, with Eddie Howe anyway, it's like, yes, this took so long, but again, there's been no clarification for both camps, which is leading people to believe that this is going to happen, this is it, he's going to be coming in. And the director of football role for me should be someone who's impartial. Now, this isn't me like saying Fergal Harkin because we all know he's Aries and has links with Desmond. And we heard before that there's links of um, the Juventus uh, chief scout and all linked with the director of football role. I personally think it should be someone impartial. Anyhow, he gets the full autonomy of his backroom team, fair enough. And Dominic Mackay should oversee that, as you rightly said, Laura. But John, if you look at, we've talked about this so many times. Celtic need to also plan for Eddie Howe, but they need to plan for when Eddie Howe leaves. There needs to be at least a five-year plan more to get Celtic back to where they were, because no joke, all joking aside here, the rebuild Celtic are facing. Like you said, there the dates were introduced for the Champions League. It's it's madness because it's we've basically got a scouting team. The likes of Ayer has been linked with um, Newcastle. Uh, Edward's been linked away, and Christie hopefully goes. And you're looking at it from my point of view anyway. It's massive, massive job and. What are we expecting of Eddie Howe if he comes in? Miracles? Because me looking, taking the Celtic glasses off, I can't see it being all success within the first season. Yes, I can see it's maybe winning the league in a cup or whatever, but the trebles and stuff, that'll take a, a few more years, certainly, in my point of view. It's difficult to say, Stephen, in all honesty. I mean, I, I said this previously, and, and I think it was maybe taken out of context. Um, I, I, I feel like appreciate and understand the job at hand uh, and the rebuild and the task in itself. We know you're not just going to come in and then right off the bat have another Rodgers-esque sort of season. Um, that's not to say he's not he's maybe not capable. It depends again on 
whether you can come in, if, if you can implement, like Laura was saying, that you implement a particular culture and you can get these guys playing for you and playing your way uh, and, and getting a, a, a style in place and getting everybody to buy into it. Uh, if, you can, if you can get that in and you get the right players in, um, then you can definitely have a successful season. Um, but, I mean, I think it definitely deserves uh, a chance to, 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 to make that happen because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, with that being said, I feel that, like you mentioned, that having a plan in place uh, is certainly something that um, should happen. Um, if, if a board was, uh, or if a club at large is being run properly, um, you're going to have, or you should at least, in my opinion, um, have something uh, to fall back on in the event that, let's say a year or two down the line, um, Eddie is tempted away with a, a, a higher profile job or whatever the case may be, that, you, you, that you've got things in place or a plan in place, which we've, we seem to have been lacking since Rogers left, uh, which I think has been a, a serious issue. Um, and that that ultimately, yeah, I, I think absolutely the board and, and the club need to make sure that they've got something to fall back on and not just assume that he's going to be there for let's say he signs a five-year deal, right? He's not just going to see it out and then just not have anything in place to, to fall back on if he doesn't see that contract out because as we've seen when Rogers left, uh, a lot of fans were, were up in arms. They, they, they went to Neil Lennon appointed him in the showers. As, uh, it, it's, it's been widely reported as well. So, I mean, that that's the sign of a club who were kind of panicked and, and just took the quick option or even, possibly even cheap option. I don't know the details of the finances, but... It just seemed rushed, um, yeah. and I mean, even now with with Lennon having left months ago, um, us knowing that the season was ultimately over um, in the new year, it it just seems that there's been no sort of plan to fall back on. There's been no nothing to show that there's any sort of what's the word I'm looking for. They just they haven't been proactive in any way, shape, or form for me, and I I, I feel that. That is, it makes us look amateurish, if I'm being honest. And it, it's, it's for a club like Celtic, um, it's, it's ridiculous that we're even in this position in the first place. Uh, like I says, there should have been something should have been in place. So, in the event that Rogers left, which we all seen coming, I think it, it, there was no secret that he wasn't happy uh, with the way things were going. When you're hearing things about players being signed, he's no idea about who these players are, but they've been signed. When you're hearing that. Um, you're going behind this guy's back. It's like th- th- there's a lot of stuff that is going on behind the scenes, and and you'd you'd expect a club like Celtic or the club the size of Celtic or any institution in football to have a plan B um, and something to fall back on, and we just don't seem like we've got any anything like that at all. So going forward, that needs to be something that we we definitely implement. I think uh, that's a big job for Dominic McKay to, to basically control that from boardroom level. But Laura. I've asked the folks on our podcast this, this previously and it got a bit heated. People were saying their points of view and then people were chirping back and stuff. But what 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 would be your expectations of next season? What would you want to happen? We've seen the Champions League qualifier dates been put out there and apparently Celtic might be seeded for the second and third qualifying round depending on how things go. But it, are you expecting this to be in a, a group stage of European competition? Are you expecting the league back at Celtic Park? Where, where are you standing? 
I think um, from from a financial point of view, um, if we weren't already starting to see signs of um, the pandemic having an impact uh, and other things, the fact that we've missed out in the Champions League for as many years as we have, I think I think getting into the group stage of the Champions League from a purely financial point of view is something that we need to try and prioritise or at the very least a run beyond Christmas in, in the Europa League because... I think regardless of whether you think we can do anything of note in those competitions from a from a really unromantic and purely financial point of view, we, we need to make sure that we're there um, with some regularity over the next couple of years because um, you can't go without 10 or 20 million or whatever it is that it brings in uh, every season. You can't keep going without that and expect to continue at the level that we have done over the last decade. And um, from a domestic point of view, I think uh, there's no reason to suggest that we can't just uh, get back on parity with with Rangers or or, or you know outstrip them because I think what's happened is uh, our season has been uncharacter uncharacteristically bad and theirs has been uncharacteristically good and that's combined to make this this uh, gap between us that is probably not as big as it appears. Um, I'll be interested to see what happens from their side because. As much as I don't think Steven Gerrard is quite the manager that he's made out to be, I definitely think he's done enough to to warrant interest from down south and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the summer from his point of view, uh, whether they can hold on to him. But whether they can or not, I still think we can we can uh, get back level with them and hopefully you know, make much more of a challenge for the league title next season than, than we did this one. Yeah, I think one team that's been excellent this season has St. Johnson. I think we'll have to give them a mention, a cup double. Uh, unexpected from every angle in the, in the Scottish uh, Premier League anyway. But coming to yourself, Francis, b- before we move on, any the ex- expectations for next season is different for every Celtic fan, and that's understandable. There's people who believe maybe they can't challenge, or there's people who think, yes, we need to be back on top. Like Anthony, for example, wants the challenge on all fronts, the guy from our podcast. But where, as this drags on, Francis, where are you standing? Because again, it's six or so weeks to the first game. We're no further on with anything really, signing targets, anything coming in, there's been no talk of that. Are you still confident that Sally can win the league next season? Yeah, I'm confident. And then, like, I feel it'll be easier to sort of please me than you, Stephen, because I'm sure about five minutes ago you said uh, he might win a league or cup double. But yes, that's not like the su- That's not like the success of winning trebles and that, like, trebles are just a thing you do. No, 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 no. What, what I meant was, right, so what I'm coming from the, the purely aspect of we've seen a team in the in the, in the country win them one one league and celebrating it like it's the best yeah, thing. No, I agree. I'm saying you're above that level. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm expecting right. maybe a league and a cup. And yeah, I, I'm yeah just, to say, it was the way it was the way you said it. You just batted it off like it was nothing. No, no, but, no, no, no. I'm saying travels <laughs> for me. The challenge the challenge for that. It will yeah, be yeah. hard because. Yeah. We need the squad in place. We've seen the squad we had, and we had Rodgers and stuff, and Lee Lennon when he first came back. That was excellent. It was an excellent team. We've mm-hmm. lost basically most of that team, so it's a big rebuild. This is what I'm trying to get at. Well, yeah, yes and no, because you look at Rodgers, and we were, belie- we're led to believe that that was a big rebuild coming in for that, or a rebuild of sorts, and he brought in some decent players like your Sinclairs, your Moussa Dembele's, but he made guys a lot, lot better. And there could be guys like... Your Ayers could stay, your Christie's could stay. Like, it could just tweak it with get a few guys in, then make these players better. The guys that are there make them better. Uh, so, the couple, just to come back to there, Francis, I have to disagree with you there because it's nothing like when Rogers came in from, from, from my point of view. 
Ronnie Dalio. For your point of view, it's nothing. But Ronnie Dalio won two leagues. He had yeah, good, well, good players. So I mean, we, the majority we lost, of this, the majority of this team won the league last season. Won the won a treble last season. The majority of this team, and we're led to believe like we can only say for sure that Edward will be a, be away for this team. There's nobody you can actually say definitely has got to go away. We believe there'll be a few boys, but you can only really say Edward's got to go. So, and that's I mean, I appreciate Edward's a massive player, but. The rebuild might not be as big as we're led to believe it is. I think it will be a big rebuild, but again, it, it depends on if it is Eddie Howe. Some guys could be tempted to stay because of him because he is well a well-respected manager. I think uh, the majority of your your loan players will be gone, so yeah. you, you could you could be saying goodbye to Elian Um He's probably the only one who's had any significant uh, impact. But, um, Kenny the can rest will be away as well. Uh, and Duffy, but uh, it's, I just think. It could it could have a an impact similar to Rogers in the sense that it will make players better and like I say, like Callum McGregor had a serious drop in form, Christie's had a serious drop in form. These these boys aren't bad players. They aren't bad players and they might have a future well, I believe Callum McGregor will still have a future at Celtic, but Christie possibly still has a future at Celtic. No, I I I firmly agree with you there, Francis, because like you say, um, it wasn't that <laughs> it wasn't that we had a bad necessarily a bad team under under Ronnie, right? But it, you'd be kidding yourself if you're saying that Rogers didn't come in and, and improve them further, the guys that were already there, in addition to bringing the guys in. And when it comes to somebody like Eddie Howe, he's a well-respected manager, as Franny said, and he's got a reputation of being a good man manager and developing players as well. You just need to look at when they took over the Bournemouth job originally at such a young age. This was a club that was on the brink of being extinct, completely going through liquidation. Uh, they had a transfer ban in place. He wasn't in a position to sign players. They never had money. Uh, not only did he save them, despite a points deficit for relegation, he then improved that team and got them promoted. So that's yeah. somebody who's came in, tenure a club in the worst possible position they could be in. Players who's probably thought their careers were done, that they wouldn't have a job at the end of a season, and, and lifted everybody in that club, got them playing for each other, got them playing together, and then absolutely worked miracles at Bournemouth. So I, I've absolutely, I've, there no doubts that guys like Ayer, Christie, even McGregor, Forrest, and that, he can bring out the best in these boys if they, if, yeah. if we can if we can have a chat with them and get them to stay, then it'll certainly make the, the, the rebuild uh, a little easier because, as you say, we don't know who is going to be coming and going, but I think it is a fantastic appointment in that sense because... You could have a guy coming in and then lifting everybody's spirits again, lifting everybody's heads and getting them playing football the way we know they're capable of playing. So, uh, yeah. I'd... Laura, what's your opinion on this? I mean, to be fair to John and Francis, they do bring up good points, but just to backfire to yourself, Laura, I don't know from your point of view, but for me personally, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth to be thinking that these players can be brought on again to the levels that they reached before because we're seeing them this season. And to be quite frank, most of them, for me, down tools. And it was the team of individuals. It was a team of people who couldn't care less about the outcomes of games. We've seen at the end of games when they were losing, the, the pathetic reaction, there were some players laughing and joking. That's not what a Celtic player for me should be doing, especially in front of TV cameras. What's your opinion what the guys are saying, Laura, about maybe players that could be reinvented under a new management team? Um. Well, I mean... That is one way of looking at it that they down tools and and you know you you would want to see them them leave the club because you're not interested in 
and seeing anything more from them if that's what they're willing to do. The other way of looking at it is and admitting that they had no game plan and he didn't really know what his role was. Sorry, Laura, there seems to be a wee bit, a wee bit of an issue with your mic. I don't know if you guys can hear Laura, can you? Sorry. Nah, anymore, no. Sorry, off. Dropped out of the call there. Sorry. <laughs> you back in now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, all good. I don't know what happened there. I just get cut off, but I'll start again. Um, no worries. I, no, I, I think that that is one way of looking at it, that, you know, you, you could be kind of sickened by, by the way they've played this season and say sort of good riddance type of thing. But the other way of looking at it for me is um, that that potentially they've just not been getting managed properly last season by Neil Lennon. I think everybody would agree with that. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that you know, with good coaching, they could become the players they were before again because um, they're, they're getting the right kind of direction. Callum McGregor was quite clear that he hadn't had any kind of, or he went into v- various games. One of the, the defeats against Livingston, I think he said that he wasn't really sure what the game plan was or anything like that. So, um, I'm more on 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 um, John and Francis' side of like I think there are good players in some of those players and they can be coached back to what they are. Um, whether they down tools or not, I, I think is possible. But I think there was just a very toxic atmosphere in the club at the time, and that probably didn't help things. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I firmly agree with that, Laura, and I've said that previously as well. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes, right? You're only we can only on the outside looking in. It's alright to come up with your own wee theories and make assumptions and stuff like that but like you mentioned there that's a perfect way of, of describing it. it it seems like there's a, tox, a toxic atmosphere within Celtic at the minute or at least there was players heads naturally would drop in that circumstance and I feel like we shouldn't be so hard on the players for downing tools because we don't know the full ins and outs of why that's potentially happened I would disagree with that. You've got to hear a wee bit of an issue with players if they're down tools John you can't just say got to get off their back but I, I just the nature of the beast in football. It's but you can't just say I don't you want to get rid of the club player. No, no, that's they, what they I mean. I mean, an ideal situation you would get rid of them all and get you guys in, but financially you just can't do that, can you? Just can't do that financially. It's just the way football works, I suppose. I know. I'm, not, not, I'm definitely. Not a nice I, side. It's not a nice side of football, but it's what goes on at the end of the day. I, I'm definitely not saying you. You'll see various streams that I've been on over the yeah, season yeah. where I've I've been like. Uh, you know, Tom Rodgers should never play in a Celtic shirt again or Lee Griffiths or Ryan Christie or whoever you want to name. I think I've had to go at every player in the team at some oh, point. Same. But, same. but, you know, like, I think there's got to be a, a, an appreciation that, like, you know, if if a manager comes in and gets the best out of Callum McGregor again or if he gets the best out of Barkas that we've yet to see or, or whatever, I would rather have that happen than just ship them out in anger because we don't know what, what would be around the corner if we did that? I don't think. Yeah, totally. Barkas just... is a lost cause, though. Nah, I mean Stephen and Barkas is cap. Barkas for me, he has a future of Celtic. I think Laura really pointed out. We don't know what style of Lenny's coaching was, and Barkas had a relatively decent career up until he joined Celtic. He was playing in the Champions League, number one for Greece. Playing. Do we need to sit and go through players who had relatively good careers before they came to Celtic? John. John, Neil, every one of your summer signings had a good career until oh. they came to Celtic. Aye, that was a great summer window, remember? <laughs> right, I don't want to get in the, in the Barkas conversation because John's like a Rottweiler, he'd be like, rrr, rrr, rrr. but right. Just as well no, no, I'm, I'm then, just eh? saying though, it's like, I mean, some people just can't adapt to the Scottish game, the pace, and some people just can't settle. I mean, 
we seen it with Al Hamid. Al Hamid looked like a great player. He had a good career up until he joined us. He he, he couldn't settle. Didn't mean he was bad. He just he wasn't for the club. And I think yeah, that's similar stuff. Similar sort of vein. Yeah, you're also talking about what we forget about relatively young guys, some of whom, Barkas especially, was being asked to come and live in a foreign country during a pandemic, yeah, like when yeah. everybody was struggling, never mind a guy who couldn't even socialise with his teammates or see his family or travel home between games or anything like that. Like All of that was taken away from him. He was probably going to training, going to games and going back and sitting in a hotel. And that, mm-hmm. like, that's not going to be good for anybody. I don't care what anybody says. Nah. Nah, I thought I touched like, that before on the podcast. That sounds like a, a week in Francis' life and all them hotels he stays in. No, we joke. <laughs> but um, you look at it as well. Like one thing that hasn't actually stopped is, is the the rumor mill in terms of transfers and things. And I put up the tweet about Oliver Nisham basically his contract being terminated. It's not been confirmed, but I've seen a few other respected journalists tweeted as well and a couple of news outlets, and it kind of blew up. I mean, I woke up the, the the morning after, and there was French newspapers and all quoting it and stuff and saying it was from us. But coming to yourself, Laura, we've seen the likes of Nissan basically saying his contract's being terminated. We've seen the likes of Turnbull being linked with moves away, Ayer. And another another weird one, Celtic had a bid rejected for a striker, Aaron Bendeza, Bendeza, what? Oh yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, put yeah. it up on on the Twitter account. But who who do you think's making these dealings, Laura? Who could it be? I mean, I, I struggle because there's there's Liam Shaw as well, isn't there? That it was yeah, signed Shaw, like yeah. a couple mm. of months ago or something like that from from Sheffield Wednesday. He might be he might fall more under the remit of a kind of youth development type of contract, so maybe he's slightly different, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm struggling to understand where all that's coming from. Um, to, to talk about the, the Encham thing specifically, I think um, I think if that's true, um, and although it's not been confirmed, but if it's true, it would be a shocking decision for a couple of reasons. One, um, obviously, as a lot of people have pointed out, this is a guy who we rejected a £15 million bid for a couple of years ago, supposedly. <laughs> um, so to let him go for, for nothing would be would be shocking but also from a financial point of view I would presume if you're going to cut his contract short you're going to have to pay him the full remainder of his contract so financially that makes no sense when you've still got two windows to go where you could hopefully bump him off for a little bit of money or at least cover your costs that way Um, so if that's the kind of decision making that turns out to have been made at the club then then we're, we're headed for rocky shores because one thing you can say about Peter Lobo, you can criticise him for a lot of things and we all have done throughout this season, but one thing you can't complain about is his financial management um, and, and his ability to to balance the, the spreadsheet at the club and keep us in a much better financial state than some other clubs we could mention. So um, I think to keep him or, or to, to see that kind of decision made knowing that, that Peter Lobo's headed for the door um, doesn't fill me with great optimism, I have to say. Well, when I put that uh, Nissan post up, it, it literally exploded, Laura, within a, like 10, 15 minutes. There's all sorts of comments, likes and retweets. And it is a bit defended, to be honest. There's, pe- there's people saying, Francis, if, if he was one of the troublemakers, get him out the door because we, we can't have that coming back into the camp in pre-season to kind of put that bad feeling around. But again, Laura brings up a fantastic point. Financially, could we not have got two or three million pounds for him just to recoup some money? Any money at the moment is good in this climate. And then the, the the bid for the striker we had turned down in the region of apparently six point five million. I've heard his name been mentioned before, more more recently in the January transfer window. But it seems like Celtic 
if it's led to believe, are willing to spend the money. But again, it seems like they're making stupid decisions, letting players like Nisham go for free, if that's true. Yeah, so and, and I actually commented on the, yeah, the tweet you that you put out saying that even if like it makes no like no financial sense not to even just try and get a couple million for him, like like Laura touched on there, it's it's baffling if true, absolutely baffling. But I I hope it's I hope because I believe on his day he's arguably the best midfielder in Scotland. But if he's one of the troublemakers, he probably you probably do want to get rid of him in that sense. But I wouldn't get rid of him. We just paying off his contract I feel like because like we said it makes no business sense and in these times you need to be just you need to be trying to make some money and I don't believe Peter Law would would make that kind of deal like Laura touched on but to talk about like bids and stuff that we're making like it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the new manager if there is one in place like I know we keep touching on it how is working behind the scenes and doing these decisions, it'll not be the first time, it'll not be the last time it's made. These these things probably happen in football when a new manager is coming and it's just, obviously, in your situation, nothing's been made official, but there's nothing to suggest that behind the scenes he's not saying, look, I wanted this guy, I want that guy or whatever. I don't want this guy in the team. I don't want that guy. So it's just, obviously, that's again, that's guesswork, but I believe that will happen in football. So I don't think it's unusual that it's that that could be happening. I would find it rather strange if we're bringing in guys or attempting to bring in players and then just saying to the new manager, this is this is your guy, especially at this time when the season's over, I would find it strange to be bringing in players and then just the manager being, being lumbered with these players, I feel like, instead of the manager saying, I would like this guy going, well, we're trying to sort out my side of the deal. Here's a couple of boys that I wouldn't mind getting in and here's a couple of the players I want shipped out really that I don't see a future at the club so yeah. I believe behind the scenes I, I, I suppose it's maybe more hope that I want to believe that that is what's happening with hopefully Eddie Howe that, and between him and Dom McKay that's that's what's happening behind the scenes just to try not maybe to get a head start on next season but try and prepare best for next season and now get bid, get business done early and then it's just a matter of if these boys come in it's it's just what happens first. These boys might come in before Eddie Howe or the manager's announced or vice versa. Just I hope, it's more hope that I think things are happening in the background with the new guy, if you like. Yeah. One of the most worrying things for me, and I know it's pure speculation, John, is already we we'll see David Turnbull being linked with clubs down south uh-huh. with, a, with a pathetic £7 million bid, John. And you're, you're looking at this going, in this current climate, 7 to £10 million for Turnbull looks a good bit of business, but again, it's a player we need in that team to build that team around, John. And it looks like of it, Nisham as well, being allowed to go if it's true for free, the striker bid. Are you, well, Francis is thinking this is Eddie Howe working behind the scenes, kind of crafting who he wants in, who he wants out? I, I would I would say so. Uh, I mean, if if, 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 if everything that you, you hear is likely to be believed, then they, I, I can see certainly... Um, that he might be making some decisions, in which case that's that's great because although he's not officially announced, it means that stuff's still getting done behind the scenes. I wouldn't like to think that. Worst, well, what I want to know is if it isn't Eddie Howe and he, that he's not having a say, who is making the decisions then? Um, and I can't see why we would give any sort of control to the likes of Kennedy when we know he's not going to be the manager. Um, I can't see why we'd let Law take the reins because he's leaving. Um, 
Dominic Mackay's not even officially in the position yet. So I don't know who's making the decisions. The only logical explanation is, uh, like he says, uh, how has agreed in principle, although we can't officially announce him yet, um, he's still doing some stuff behind the scenes. He's, he's Like you mentioned, he's giving us a list of some guys that he maybe wants us to approach and see if we can get in. Uh, in which case, that that's the only explanation to me that makes any sort of sense. Um, yeah. The Encham the thing, though, baffles me completely. Uh, and like Laura says, from a financial perspective, it just doesn't make any sense. Because he's still under contract. He's still got a year, right? Um, if, you say you suspect that if, if, if you're cancelled, terminating that contract, you're going to have to pay him. Um, and... I mean, like he says, only a couple of years ago, um, we were rejecting bids up like around 15 million for him. We know what he's capable of. And it might also be a case of another guy who, under the right management, uh, we can lift his head again. And even then, you've got, like Lauren mentioned, you've got another couple of windows to potentially shift him. Um, I don't want to, I mean, I don't know much about Football Insider as a publication or, or a, a news media, um, but I don't know where they're getting this exclusive fee or who they're getting it for. But it, it just seems like like any other sort of shit well, you read in a paper. It's just Well to be fair to them, like I have seen other journalists and stuff tweet that tweeted as well. Purely for I've only ever kind of I've only you. seen other journalists tweet about that. Like there's 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 other than football and football insider broke the news, right? Yeah, they and, did. Yeah. And then people jumped on it and then they were like that like oh they're they're saying it's an exclusive and that they're just kinda of repeating it and they're just drumming up it's just another article, I think, that I don't think there's any truth to it. I kind of see the, a logical reason as to why. I just think, like, most sort of um, news media forums and, and stuff like that, newspapers are the worst for it. It's just printing stuff for the sake of printing stuff and, and drumming up conversation. It does, I don't think there's anything in it at all. Yeah, I had to laugh when I, when I tweeted it and then Natasha retweeted it and Laura commented on her going, I'll have to take this with a pinch of salt, just brush it off, that, I mean, that made me laugh. But, <laughs> <laughs> but to your point as well, that. Stephen, and this is just to reiterate the, the point I was making there as well, you you put that tweet out and you were just going after what you Football Insider had said, right? I I didn't say I believed it though. So that's no, but like, what I'm saying, no, this is what I mean. It's like you, you've, you've relayed a story that's been printed by or an exclusive by another publication, right? You've then heard this rumour, you've put it up on Twitter, and now you've got French media crediting you for breaking the news. And this is a problem with, with stuff like that. It's like, there's no... This is why you can't find truth in, in a lot of stuff like this. And this is why, like, you take it with a pinch of salt. I don't, I don't yeah. see any reason why you would believe something like that. Aye, and the other thing, the other thing to, to pick up on that is, like, I, I was getting a, a couple of folk commenting to me like outside of that sort of saying that you guys obviously have tweeted reliable stuff in the past which you have and they were saying so why wouldn't you wouldn't you believe this and I was like it's not that I'm saying the endless Celts are not t- tweeting what they find to be legit I said it was football insider that I didn't necessarily think was legit so even people who are presented with the evidence in black and white of like who the source is aren't believing it because they just see your name at the top of the tweet so anything within they'll, they'll attribute to you rather than the publication that you actually did reference <laughs> in the tweet yeah. and that's why things go viral because then and that it can happen with anything and you're exactly right Laura it's, it's, well, it's like football insider broke it anybody that's then tweeting it is getting taken as oh, that, that, it must be true then and that's always yeah. not necessarily the case and this is, a, this is one of the things that we need to be careful when you're making sort of comments and you're tweeting about stuff because it can be picked up and you can then be the one credited for breaking certain news and stuff like that when 
it, like I say, but yeah, I'd take it with a pinch I, of salt I, myself. I, I, I think I think Laura's saying in a roundabout way. There's people who don't trust us. No, not No, but come come to yourself, Laura. We spoke about David Turnbull there, and that there's he's been linked with moves already. And fair enough, he's had a fantastic half a season when when he's been in the Celtic team. Is there any scenario in in your mind that you can see Turnbull leaving? It, is it a possibility for me anyway? He needs to be a mainstay of that team. Um, well, I mean, I, I had a conversation with Jim and Tony, who I'm on on uh, Celtic State of Mind with on a Friday, and we were actually talking about the fact of like, you know, James Forrest and, and Callum McGregor, just to take two similar examples of 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 Scottish players um, at the club, they've achieved everything basically that they're going to achieve in a Celtic shirt. So you could understand. I mean, I don't think James Forrest will, will leave until he's carried out in a box, probably. But like Callum McGregor, I could see probably um, wanting to try ply his trade down south or something like that. And and if they went, I could kind of understand it more because, like I say, they've they've won everything there is to win up here. David Turnbull, I would like to think, has got enough about him to say, you know, I've only just arrived here. I've had a couple of good months after struggling to get into the side at the start of the season. I'm going to try and really establish myself in this team going forward. I think he already has done, but like make himself the mainstay, the heart of the team. Hopefully, win a few trophies with us. Because the other thing to remember is he's not actually won a trophy with us except the Scottish Cup that was a hangover from last season because of COVID. So um, you want him to like win some silverware with us, prove his his usefulness and his success with us before we look at shipping him on maybe for a bit of money in a few years' time, because I don't see him lasting like a James Forrest or, or, or Callum McGregor. He's not that type of player. I don't think I, I do see him ending up down in England at some point, but I would be heartbroken if he went this summer. I think it's a bit early, and I would like to see him you know, at least give it another couple of years here, get a chance to play in front of the Celtic fans as well, which is something that he's not done, and um, yeah. just, just like prove he's worth to us before he gets the move that he undoubtedly will in the future, I think. Yeah, what, what, what we're seeing as well was the Eddie Howe, the Eddie Howe thing continues, obviously, but we're seeing in terms of Bournemouth, their season did end, and unfortunately they didn't get promoted to their Premier League, they got beat by Brentford, Ivan Tony come up trumps for us, maybe that was his job all mm-hmm. along, but if, if you look at this, come to yourself, Francis, and I said it to you in the topics when I sent it out, to my, my my point of view, I think Celtic are playing a very dangerous game in terms of all the eggs in one basket. And you look at David Turnbull, and we don't know if this whole thing could make, make him unsettled, not knowing who's coming in, because Brown didn't even know. Brown's the captain, the, the, uh-huh. the nine-in-a-row captain, the quadruple uh, treble-winner captain. He even said in his leaving press conference, one of the main reasons was the uncertainty of what's happening next season. And how do we know this whole event and this saga isn't affecting the squad at this present moment with players linked with moves away, players who want gone. Surely it must be a big factor. Oh, I agree. As a big factor, I think I think you've got to be admit that the the uncertainty will have an impact on on players. But you've got to hope that guys like Tumble, uh, potentially McGregor, I wouldn't say Forrest because like Laura, I just I don't ever see James Forrest leaving. Uh, your eyes on it. You just hope that the people higher up have had, have had what uh, words with these and says, look, this is a guy that's coming in. It's we just need to wait. There's a waiting game for him to come in, but he's coming in. Just 
to get guys like that to stay in that. I mean, I appreciate it as a dan- it's a dangerous game trying to hold off and hold off and hold off, but because the longer with with anything, the longer you hold off, there's always a chance that something can happen. But yeah, it's it can't it can't be good for the players, but you've got to hope that they're a wee bit in the loop as well. But Brown's comments don't really back that statement. Don't really back yeah. me up there, do they? And you would think that Brown would know out of everybody within the yeah, yeah, no, squad. I, totally, I think apart from well, I've, I've said that before. Apart from John Kennedy at the time, uh, he should he should have knew out of respect to him for Kenny. I, I wouldn't say stepping up to the task because he was handed the task <laughs> at the end of the day, but uh, he should out of respect to him be, be known who the new manager as if there was going to be only one. Then then you got your club captain and say, look, this is a guy that's coming in. Do you want to stay under him? At the end mm. of the day, I mean, well, what's your opinion, John? Because uncertainty in any aspect of life can be unsettling. If the people, for example, people do not don't know when the next paycheck's coming in, that can be unsettling due to bills and things, and professional life as well. If you're in a high profile job, but in that playing squad, there is young players there who need a hand around them, who need told what's happening next season, who need to be invoked in this plan. They need to be sold this plan, and it is worrying at this early stage of Turnbull's Celtic career, he's being linked with moves away. Uh, yeah, so firstly, just regarding the Turnbull thing, um, I, it's a lot of shite. I think it's just nonsense. We see it Don't every year. Don't contradict yourself here. Because no, no, you listen, we see it every year, right? Anytime somebody has a decent season in a Celtic jersey, they're getting linked away in the papers. It happens every year, year in, year out. Every summer, we, we see the same stuff and nothing ever comes out. James Forrest has been leaving Celtic every year since he started. So uh, I think James Forrest has only been linked away once, John, to be fair. Yeah. Nah, he's been reported that was about 10 years ago. Like, nah, it's been far more regular than that. But the, the right, point I'm making is enough. is that he's came in, right? Turnbull's had a great half season, as you mentioned, and, and uh, you're starting to see um, his name, or he, clubs are, are sort of looking at him, and, and there's been bids or, or there's projected interest and everything else. I, again, I would take it with a pinch of salt because there's nothing. I've been over this countless times, and my my opinions and my feelings on the sort of the, the likes of the Daily Record and the, the Scottish Sun oh, and other so papers cool. and other media that print this pish. It, it's like every manager is well under the Sun's been linked with Celtic since the, the, the position became vacant, and it wouldn't surprise me if Yogi's in the paper tomorrow being touted for the Celtic job. Again, it's just talk, as far as I'm concerned, and in my personal opinion. I don't believe there is any interest. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there is interest in Turnbull, but I don't think there's anything in it. I don't think there's any weight to it. Um, and Celtic, he's still got another three years to run in his contract, and seven million is seriously undervaluing what he could potentially be. So I agree. He, 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 you keep him at the club for another season, another two seasons. You, you could potentially, if if he continues to develop the way he is, play the way he is, has a good showing at the Euros, you you, you could easily get triple that value for him. And I, I think that we need to stop believing all this nonsense that we read in papers, and, and especially when English clubs come in and start undervaluing players as well. But, but, um, but no, I, I firmly agree that all this talk can turn people's heads. It can be unsettling. I fully I understand that, um, and, and, and I agree with that completely as well. Uh, and I think Turnbull's... I don't think Turnbull's the type of per, the player that, although a young guy, I don't think it's something he's going to take too much notice in. I think he's just... He seems like he's got his head screwed on and he's focused on his career. And I think he, he just wants to keep developing the way he is. 
Yeah, but to be to be fair, John as well. Most of the rumors we read about Eddie Howe from the papers, so we can't really say not to take anything what they're saying. That Stephen, I'm not getting that. That's for you again. Yes, but mm-hmm. no, but it's true. I mean, everyone can go back to podcasts and listen to quote things from papers that say Eddie Howe. Like, no, 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 no. You said things. No, no. Remember, it was a pub one time as well. Yes, the pub. Yeah. So moving on. Was cheek. I was really in something I was told. And anyway, as I say, I, I, when it comes to things like news, see, unless it's a well-respected, a massive, like Sky Sports News, if, if they report something, I tend to, they, they, they're not in the <coughs> habit of printing stuff or, or reporting on stuff if there's nothing in it, right? And they commented on the How to Celtic thing, which instantly gives it more weight than any paper has. And it, every paper you read differ, the stories differ regarding Eddie Howe's appointment. Some say he's going to be announced this week. Some say he's not getting the job at all. Some say he rejected right. Crystal Palace. Some say he accepted yeah, he's been approached by Palace. Right. Don't cut me off, Stephen. Moving on from that, because I don't want to keep going down them routes. People do take things from the papers, wherever they're reading them from, and put it in the shows, because that's how you make the show, because you need stuff to talk about. But coming to yourself... Right, so... Nah, coming to yourself, it. Laura. Right. We were speaking previously about players who could be reinvented under a new management team. What players in your mind would you like to keep for the, the rebuild next season? And how do you think a new management team could affect that? Well, I mean, listen, before before we get into that, the only thing I've got to take issue with is the fact that you chose to tell three Celtic fans that have just watched Shane Duffy all season that uncertainty breeds uh, unsettlement, because I think we've all, I think we've all <laughs> experienced that watching Shane Duffy this season. Um, but in terms of keeping players, I mean, I... Um, uh, obviously want to keep Turnbull I think he he should be the player around which we build the team I think I want to see Callum McGregor return to his old self uh, next season because he's been far from the, the player that we that we usually see I think James Forrest being back in next season I hate to use that phrase but he kind of will be like a new signing because uh, we've, we've missed him so much this season Fingers crossed they can get through the Euros without any major um, injuries or anything like that. Um, and and the the one that I really want to see like reinvent himself in a way is is the one we talked about earlier is Barkas. I, I do think there's a player there. I do think that he can he can like shore himself up and and make his place in the team a bit more um, concrete because I think the way that the whole goalkeeper situation was handled this season. And I don't really blame Neil Lennon for this because I think he was under a lot of pressure himself. But I think he simultaneously managed to like degrade the confidence of Hazard, Bain and Barkas in one fell swoop with the way that he managed them. So hopefully with a manager who can instill a bit more confidence in him next season, Barkas can can make the number one jersey's own because we're not a club of the size that can just throw away five million on a goalkeeper for it not to work. I think that's a great point. I mean, me and Francis are big advocates of um, Barkas. Mm-hmm. I think there is a player in there. I just believe it's the way he's been coached. And as you said, coming into a country where he has to live in a hotel, he can't socialise, he can't go for drinks, he can't go for runs, it does play a big factor. Not using that as the excuse for him, but I do think there's a player there. But coming to yourself, Francis, for me, if I ha- obviously I'm angry at the players, but again, retracting from what I said earlier on, I would like to see Greg Taylor go on another level because I believe he could. I think there's a, another level in him in terms of his development, crossing balls, that type of thing. Christopher Julian to come back in the team could be another cracking centre-back for us. We've all seen him at his best. Barkas, 
We'll throw the team. Christie, if he takes that big, massive helmet off <laughs> and, he play, and he plays for the team instead of himself. Forrest, we all know what he can produce, but that, that's where I'm coming from. What about yourself, Francis? Uh, well, to kind of, like, to touch on players being rude, I, like, it sounds simple, but they all could be, if, if you think, if they all put the dedication and the hard work in, every one of them could be revived and have a career. But yeah, I, I agree that I think I think we need to work on Barkas. I do believe there is something there. I agree with what Laura says. Tumble, I just, I think we should be building the team around him. I think he's a real, real talent. I do think there could be more to come for Greg Taylor or you could potentially get more from him. Like if you could just sort of say, be more confident in beating him and maybe try and beat him in or even just create a wee bit of space and work on his crossing. And then he could be a player because I think he's a he's a solid, solid enough left back, maybe not wing back that we like to mm. play. But yeah, guys, I'm just trying to Julian, even... Our man Henry, who's over in Belgium, and that yes, you, you, you never, you never know. It could be a player. It could. I mean, I say it could be a player. I know it didn't work out for us, but as we touched on a few weeks ago, he actually won Belgian Player of the Season. So it, there could be, there could be something there. Then he's got to be coming under a, a new manager, a new manager and stuff as well. So it's, it's just new voices and stuff, and the, and the back it could just work for, for any player. Just having a different voice, a different coaching style, and obviously. You can't. You've got to then put it on the players to say, "Look, we're giving you the tools. It's it's kind of on you to decide if you want to make it work too." Yeah, I, I think you're 100 right. Um, Julian for me is going to be a big factor next season coming back. I think we've missed him. And yeah, people do have their opinion of him. He can be slow and stuff, but he's solid. Him and I are had a solid partnership, especially yeah. last last season, if you know what I mean. But coming to yourself, John, what areas of the pitch do you think could be developed in terms of players, in terms of the personnel? Where do you think that could go under a new management team? Hello, John. It's a bit and a half. Sorry, no, I forgot to unmute my mic. No, so I was just saying there um, that, as I said previously, I think that the likes of Eddie Howe can come in and definitely lift heads and lift spirits and motivate players and get them back to playing their best. So ultimately it comes down to who's actually going to be in and around the club at the time. Um and uh, when it comes in, because like I said, we still uh, there's still a bit of uncertainty regarding who's going to be there, who's no. But in terms of areas we can strengthen, um, I think he, may, he might be able to bring Taylor up a level. But I, I, I still think that the left and right back are definitely positions that we need to focus on primarily going forward. Yeah. Uh, I think midfield wise is always a position that we seem to have relative a, a good bit of depth in. Um, although uh, I certainly would again, you're sort of looking at players coming in, I think we've got some great young guys like Dembele on the right, we've still got Forrest there you've got Mikey Johnson on the left if he can stay fit, but some, another backup left-sided player, uh, another couple of strikers definitely, but the, yeah I agree, Julian coming back is going to be huge uh, if we can keep Ayer him and, him and Julian uh, could certainly shore up the central defence, you've still got Wells there who's made a good account of himself, and again another young player who could potentially brought up another level uh, with good development and man management. So it's a tough question. Um, it, it really, ultimately, we need to see where we stand once a, a manager signed in, in the door and once we're sort of approaching the end of the window and who just to see where we are. Yeah, it is a tough question. And this next thing is going to be tough or it's going to be interesting anyway. And I'm going to come to yourself, Francis, first. Okay. Mm-hmm. I asked you yesterday in the topics, could you just pick a best moment of this season? And it, for me, there, 
I mean, I can barely think right now, but coming to yourself, Francis, what's been the best moment of this season for yourself as a Celtic supporter? Right, so I've got a wee lot, right, so we've got disgraceful European campaign, <laughs> this disgraceful league campaign, a manager calling it players for no one to be around, but then but then played them in the next fixture. Five <gasps> derbies and never never registered a win. They carry on with it. Well, we're getting there. Essentially having three number threes because it just the way he carried on with the goalkeepers was what a touchdown was ridiculous. Losing the league in February, a manager lasting longer than he should have. Ball and golly going to Spain during a travel ban and no isolating when he came back. The Dubai trip, Duffy, Laxal, Kenny, no domestic cup run. So you could say the best the best moment of the season was at finishing. But I'm not <laughs> going to go with that narrative, Stephen. Because a major Ooh, interesting. No, no, no. Because no. a major achievement happened during this campaign. And Ooh. for me, so for me, my best moment came on the 20th of December at Hamden Park and a delayed cup final because of the pandemic. But it still happened the same year it was meant to happen. And we secured another treble against Hearts that, that night or that day. Another treble. I mean, it was madness. And that it was, was going quad, to be mine. And, a quad, and it was a quadruple treble like that. Yeah. Now, we can argue that, that, as I say, that competition was from the previous season, but it was it was delayed, obviously, just for a few months because of the pandemic. But it's an achievement that somehow seems to have been dismissed and almost forgotten about in some quarters within the media and pundits. It's, it's mental. And they've been drooling all over Rangers going a league campaign undefeated, which I agree is some achievement. And it's so so much an achievement that the BBC are doing a documentary on it for some <clears> reason. <throat> but we we actually won twelve out of twelve trophies, the first three without losing a game. So we actually won a treble without losing a game, not just a league campaign. That's that's just mental to think about, and to keep up that for over four years or around four years, that level of performance to keep winning and keep turning out performances. And it just to kind of the media to dismiss it is absolutely baffling, and I can only assume that maybe Amazon or something have got to do a documentary on it because it's it was that big. It's such such a massive achievement, and every player, every manager, every staff member should be proud of that. And because only six months ago, and I'm not going to excuse myself for the language I I use here, we actually won another fucking treble, a quadruple fucking treble. Well done, unbelievable! I like that, I like that. And you're 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 right when you say that it's been swept away as if it's like nothing because the team across the city, rightly so, went on beating the won the league. Fair enough, but this achievement is is massive, Laura. And and what's your best moment of the season? Um, are you following along with Francis there? Yeah, no, I, Francis said it, and I think John. I heard John say that that would have been his, and and to be honest, it would have been mine. Which which says a lot about this season. What it says is there wasn't a lot great to look back on. So, and even though that was such a massive achievement, it it just stood out so much over above everything else. But to to make it a bit more interesting, what I will say is, if I can't have the tying up of the quadruple treble, I'll say that the best moment of the season so far was was when Neil Lennon resigned and the reason I say that is it sounds a harsh thing to say but I think it's easy to forget with a few months hindsight like how despondent we felt as Celtic supporters that he was still in the job 
and and I don't blame the guy individually. Like I don't. I think there's a lot of people wouldn't quit until they were forced out the door. Um, if they had the opportunity to be Celtic manager, and I think he probably falls into that category. But I just I remember feeling the day that I woke up and realised they had gone. It was like finally it's happened. Finally we can start to move on from what has become like one of the worst periods I can remember being a Celtic supporter probably since the Tony Mowbray days. Um, little did I know that we'd be sitting here like months later, still no further forward. But yeah, on that particular day, I thought you know this is we can put this to bed and and it. It really like although it was a very low point as a Celtic supporter, it was it was an equally optimistic point where you just thought, right, this is not going well for anybody, Neil Lennon included. Um, we can we can put it behind us and move on. Um, and I'm hoping that that's certainly what we do next season, even if it hasn't started uh, properly yet. Well, that's a fair point. I mean, mm-hmm. on the yeah. day when Neil Lennon resigned, I thought I thought it was a joke. I woke up to all these taxes from John. And I was like, no chance. And I put it on the TV and he was away and I was like, I fuck for that. But again, we haven't moved on any further. And it's it does points again to the lack of plan that Celtic have. But come to yourself, John. What's what's your best moment this season? I know you said obviously the Cruiser Travel, yeah. but anything else? I, no. I mean there is nothing else. I think Laura made a, a fair point as well, because I think we always Celtic fans, or at least the majority of us when when we woke up to that news that Lennon left, I think we, we did have a there was a, a sort of eerie optimism about it and we thought finally this Time we move forward. Uh, granted, that hasn't happened yet, uh, and uh, we're, we're none the wiser. Nothing's particularly got any better either because nothing's changed. Uh, but at the time, uh, I, I guess it was certainly an upside. But now that, like Francis says, that the uh, <clears throat> I know it was the the previous season, but it, it, it did happen during this season. Uh, and although it wasn't a comfortable res- result uh, by any means, uh, we still sealed it. So that would be up there for me. <laughs> Yeah, my best moment, obviously, Francis touched upon the quadruple treble. Um, Laura, Neil Lennon, you the quadruple treble as well. I'm just going to go for something that we all enjoyed at the time, was the introduction of David Turnbull into the team. I thought when he came into the team, it brought a wee bit of class in the midfield, calm and precise and scored goals, did some cracking balls through the strikers, overheads mm-hmm. and stuff. And I just think he's a fantastic addition to the team and hopefully he stays for many years to come. But that, guys, is bringing us to the end of the show. And we're going to move on to the quiz between... Laura and Francis. Now, there's been a trend recently in these quizzes, Laura. I've went with stadiums, and I'm going to stick with stadiums, oh, okay? Jesus. Okay. I think I could be, get a bit stale for always doing the Celtic stuff and Celtic questions, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to keep it stadiums. It's, it's not it's no stale doing three straight weeks of stadiums. Can I just check? Are we to, like, is it first fastest finger first type thing, or is it like, are we getting asked a question each? How does it work this no, time? You don't. You just shout out. It's the same format as last time. Right. So, five questions. Whoever here first gets it, and then first to three or first to whatever, and then you win. And as you know, the prize is us. Your prize. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you guys ready to get going? Uh, yeah. And to be fair, John, I agree with you in, in the stadiums because I've just come back in football and I'm thinking I have no quiz wrote down, so I have to go with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's off. Right. So, first question. Who plays at East End Park? Tim Fairman. Laura. Laura won. Who plays at Somerset Park? Air United. 2-0 to Laura. Struggling. Who plays at Starks Park? Wraith Rovers. 
Wow, 3 0. I'm away, I'm away, bed. Not even a hesitation. Laura, have you enjoyed your time on the show? Jeez, I'm ju- I've just realised a party check that I didn't know I had. <laughs> I'll just shout random stadium names out and who the club is, and I, I didn't even know I had that skill. So thank you for uh, like helping me realise that uh, something that I can I can do at my next uh, get together, my next socially distanced get together. <laughs> I think that brings the score now to five three, doesn't it? We're still ahead by two. I'm, I'm oh. sure anyway. I think uh, that's five need... four now. Ah, it's going to get a wee bit closer, like. Cause that well, that's Five. two two. I've been beat that well. Also, Laura and Colin what beat me say. All right, okay. So it's probably, it's probably, it's probably five four. And so you can take that back to the guys at Sally Cinema. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Um, I'm delighted with that, honestly, because uh, I because I got absolutely, for want of a better phrase, humped the last time. So so I'll take that. Well, gladly. that's me two. That's me two one against the your your people as well. Because that's Colin Watt and yourself beat me, and I've only beat Declan McConville. So. I'm oh, I'm in a losing streak. I'm in a losing streak kid. It's no good. Don't talk to me about losing <laughs> streaks, Francis. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for coming on, Laura. We really appreciate it. And we hope to have you on again soon. And to my co host, John, thank you. And Francis as well. Have you enjoyed it, guys? Yeah, yeah great. Thanks very much. Yeah, pleasure as always. No worries. And the listeners, until we speak again, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel.